Hi, this is James Sarah, and welcome to The Breakdown. Tonight we're talking about climate change. It's an urgent issue, the most urgent issue that faces humanity, actually. And we're going to talk about that, how we got there, and why, and what we're going to do about it. Uh, so, basically, uh, the, the Earth has warmed. Uh, scientists, climate scientists have determined uh, that the Earth has warmed to somewhere between 1.1 and 1.2 degrees Celsius above the pre-industrial levels. What that means is that since the Industrial Revolution, uh, and what they usually mean when they talk about that is the 1800s, the late 1800s, uh, that since then, the Earth has warmed by 1.1 to 1.2 degrees Celsius. And that is the source of all the climate change that we're seeing. And of course, that CO2, the CO2 in the atmosphere, the increased CO2 in the atmosphere is the source for that warming. Uh, now, a lot of folks uh, over the years, the fossil fuel industry in particular, and their allies have denied for a long time that climate change even existed. And then when they finally admitted that climate change existed, they said, well, we don't know that it's, you know, human cause. And they've they've tried to find all sorts of different ways to deny that humans are the cause of it and say it's volcanic activity or it's solar activity or our position relative to the sun. But scientists over the years have looked at all those different causes. They actually looked at these different factors back in the 90s and determined that the only factor that could explain the warming, the global warming that we were seeing, was by greenhouse gases and primarily by CO2 emissions. Uh, so they've known since the 90s, and the fossil fuels industry has known as well. They've had access to all that information, as well as their own information. And, uh, you know, they they obviously chose to deny and, uh, you know, deflect and deceive uh, for the interest of protecting their business and their industry, which, you know, to some degree is understandable. Uh, you want to protect your business, your income, and your people's jobs, uh, you know, but not at the expense of human existence, right? Uh, there's, there's a point where you got to come clean and say, okay, all right, we're destroying the planet. We have to stop. Uh, so the, the, it's in as far as the scientists are concerned. There's still no shortage of people who want to deny the science out there, especially in the United States where we, we see science denialism at a peak, unfortunately, here. But it's pretty much universal amongst client, climate scientists. Now, you know, They've done a number of different uh, uh, polls of climate scientists over the years. And so back in, what was it? I think, uh, let me see. I've got to read that. Yeah, so back in 2013, they did a survey of climate scientists. 97% back then basically said, yeah, we not only do we believe in climate change, you know, but that humans are the cause of it from their CO2 emissions. Right now, they did, there was another survey that came out of climate scientists in 2016, and that that range was a little more variable. They they had the range somewhere the way the questions were asked that somewhere between 90 and 100 percent of climate scientists believed that humans were causing climate change through their CO2 emissions. That was in 2016. The the third study that came out of the survey was in 2019, and that was virtually 100 percent of climate scientists concur that climate change is real and humans are the cause of it through their CO2 emissions. Now, it must be said that the uh, the IPCC, which is the uh, Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, 
which is uh, an organization of scientists. Uh, they've had contributing scientists from over 195 different countries uh, studying climate change over the years, since 1988. Uh, and anyway, they've determined that the global warming is caused by human activity, and three-quarters of that is by our fossil fuel usage uh, and yeah, our fossil fuel usage. And then another quarter of it is from land usage. Um, according to a study by uh, uh, UC Davis in 2019, they determined uh, that 14.5% of emissions uh, were, were contributed uh, to livestock. To, and to our use of livestock. Um, and so, so that's the thing is how we use the land. It's not just fossil fuels, but it's also how, how we use the land as far as, you know, livestock em emitting their CO2 and methane emiss emissions from, uh, from their gas and, uh, you know, from their exhaling. And also how we use the land, the deforestation, when we clear a lot of land to, to farm, uh, you know, that, you know, the, the trees are a major carbon sink absorbing a lot of the CO2. So we, we chop down on that, that, that land or we chop down on those trees. You know, that, that's, that's less to absorb the, the CO2 and then more, more livestock to, you know, uh, breathe and belch and pass gas back into the atmosphere and add to that. Um, so we have to look at the different ways we have to make serious changes. Uh, we're looking at $9 trillion a year probably uh, to mitigate these changes, roughly speaking. Most estimates, most responsible estimates, put what it, the cost, the global cost, let's say, what everyone would need to spend to fight climate change and hit that 1.5 degree uh, cutoff level that's been set by the UN and the IPCC. That's where they want to cut us off at. Not warm past, we're at 1.1 or 1.2 now, but not get any higher than 1.5. They don't want to go past that uh, because that's when things can exponentially get worse. Uh, things are going to get worse anyway. Uh, they already are now and will continue to get worse as we go to 1.5. But if we go past that, they'll get exponentially even worse. And we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, so anyway, there's, there's all these things we have to do to mitigate climate change. As for, and the main thing is reduce our carbon emissions by 2050 to net zero. That's the goal that's been set by the IPCC, IPCC and the UN is by the year 2050. Okay. So basically 29 years from now that net zero emissions, anything that we're emitting is being, you know, offset by like more trees or something soaking them up. But otherwise, we're not putting any CO2 out. We're not emitting more, any more into the atmosphere. And that, that's the only way that we can get any kind of a handle on the warming at all. Uh, there's another group that has a more, what's the word I want to say, a more dire assessment. And um, it's the, uh, the Climate Action Tracker Group. And so this is, a, this is a group of independent scientists and climate scientists and climate analysts. All right. Uh, this, um, so it's not like a government organization or something like that. Um, but they, according to their estimates, even if, even if all promises are met that are being made by the 191 signatories of the Paris Agreement, even if all, which are designed to limit us to one, the 1.5 degree increase above the pre-industrial level, even if, according to their estimate, even if we do everything that we're supposed to do for that, 
we're not going to hit that by that by uh, 2100 it's going to it's going to we're going to warm to 2 degrees to 2.2 degrees celsius above the pre-industrial level so way higher than 1.1 that's if we make all our promises according to them if we just stick with the current policies that were actually that are actually in place right not not even talking about our promises just what we're actually doing if we just keep doing what we're doing they estimate that the global temperature will increase to 2.7 somewhere between 2.7 to 3.1 degrees above the pre-industrial level those kind of temperatures could be globally catastrophic and and that's the thing that the ipcc and other climate scientists will tell you is the the hotter it gets the harder it is for them to predict, and the more CO2 in the atmosphere, the harder it gets for them to predict, especially for how much worse it will be. But they do, they do have some estimates for us to give us some idea of, based on a lot of the effects that we're already seeing now, you know, and what they'll be like as the temperature continues to rise. So if it just hits the 1.5 degrees Celsius limit, polar bears, for example, are still going to have enough sea ice sea ice for most summers but if it goes to two degrees above the pre-industrial temperature right then you'll have ice-free summers every 10 years potentially leading to polar bear extinction within decades right we've already seen there was a rodent in the great barrier reef that's gone extinct because of their habitat being destroyed due to climate change incidentally half of the corals at the great barrier reef have been destroyed so we're looking at potential destruction of coral reefs around the world which like our nurseries, and that's where a quarter of the world's fish feed and have their babies in coral reefs. So if those are destroyed, you're looking at jeopardizing at least one quarter of the seafood population for the world. So that's potentially catastrophic right there. Also, we're looking at a reduction in, you know, you know if it goes to 1.5 degrees above Celsius, above the pre-industrial level, 14% of the global population will be exposed to severe heat waves every five years. But if it goes up to two degrees Celsius above the pre-industrial level, that jumps to 37% of the global population being exposed to heat waves every five years. All right. It, the same, the same is true for fishery decline. If it just hits 1.5 degrees Celsius above the pre-industrial level, we're going to see a decline in global fisheries of 1.5 million tons per year. But if it goes to two degrees Celsius above the pre-industrial level, it's going to be three million tons fewer fish every year. All right. I mean, there's food scarcity problems already. We're at eight billion people and we're going to have more people. Right, but we'll have less food, higher temperatures. Right, um, we're going to see insects and plants lose their range. Right, that's baked in. We know it's going to happen at 1.5 degrees above the pre-industrial level, which we're going to hit, or either or just blow past. It's almost virtually at the speed we're heating up. It's it's very unlikely that we could stop the warming before 1.5 degrees. It's possible that we could stop it at 1.5, perhaps even before, but the extreme action it would have to take is massive, and we're not seeing it right now. So that's why it's so urgent that we've got to wake people up, that we have to be willing to spend this 1% of GDP, $9 trillion a year, every year to fight it. And that means reduce, making the changes we need to make 
to how we use our energy, how our energy grids are made, like methane emissions. We've got to bring the natural gas industry into bear. We're going to have to phase that out eventually, natural gas. But while we're still using it, we got to make sure they're not leaking methane. That's a major problem that we've, that we've determined that there's massive leaks from the natural gas industry that they have not effectively managed, that the government is going to have to be more aggressive about making sure that they do not allow leaks, you know, from their equipment. That is a major source of methane going up into the atmosphere. That in addition to like livestock and also use of other types of agriculture also contributes to that. So we can make changes to all these things and it costs money and it forces us to do things a different way, but that can reduce the methane and the CO2 that we're emitting into the atmosphere, we can invest in, you know, better, better, you know, uh, battery technology. Certainly the renewables are the cheapest, uh, the cheapest source and the cheapest solution at this point. They've, their prices have just gone down in the past decade and they continue to go down as the, their technology improves. And that's something you always see as the technology goes along, it gets cheaper and better and more efficient, right? So the more we invest in these climate fighting technologies and we're talking about proven technologies we're not talking about stuff like blowing sodium into the atmosphere or sucking co2 out of the air and storing it somewhere those things are unproven carbon sequestration carbon capture and sequestration has not been borne out uh that was a promise that was given to us by the coal industry years ago uh that has essentially gone nowhere uh there's no evidence at all that uh you know there's this idea we'd spray sodium in the air but we don't know if that will work on a global scale, how we do it exactly, and what the actual side effects would be of that, which could be catastrophic. Um, so and there have been other ideas about having like reflectors in space and things like that uh, that don't deal with the root cause of the problem is that we're just pumping way too much CO2 into the air. So we got to stop doing it, right, by being more responsible. And there's all kinds of technologies we can still use nuclear uh i know there's a lot of people that don't want to and i can understand why there's a safety issue there obviously there's also the the even bigger thing i think beyond that is the storage issue the long-term storage issue i mean you're talking thousands of years those things have to be stored for uh tens of thousands that we have to if we're going to continue on with nuclear that it has to be you know safe these things have to be funded right that's the thing Always, like a lot of these things are going to have to be, uh, you know, mandated by the government. And, you know, it's like whatever nuclear technology we continue to use, uh, we need to do that responsibly and make sure we're storing a waste properly and safely for long term. Uh, we, there have been issues. I know there have been issues out at the Hanford site in Washington, uh, as well as some other places as well. So, uh, you know, there, there are some serious problems, especially if this stuff gets into a water table, uh, how serious this could be for potentially millions of people. Uh, we have to be cognizant of the dangers of some of our solutions and investing in so wasting our money on solutions that have not been borne out. We know what works, cutting our carbon reductions, right? Not doing things, right, uh, that increase our carbon output, using different types of technologies, different filters, right? Using smarter technology, uh, whether that be within our homes or, or in the bigger part of the grid, uh, that, you know, we use energy more efficiently so we're not wasting it, right? And I'm mean, going to just talk about, 
you know, that just things like light bulbs and things like that, little things like that, that is, we need to take it out of the hands of individuals trying to make these little changes themselves, right? That the only light bulbs that should be available are smart light bulbs that, you know, or the highly efficient light bulbs. And that, you know, that we start that any home that's constructed, you know, has like new, uh, that we develop new type of technology that has a sensor that just shuts off the shuts off the life light when the person leaves the room, when there's no more movement in the room or whatever, the light goes off. That's the kind of thing that can easily be developed that is of some cost, but not particularly a, that high a cost that can provide, you know, huge div- dividends of us just using what we have way more efficiently. Um, you know, but also, you know, that, 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 that like wind and solar and geothermal, right? And that there's all these other alternative sources of energy that we that we're that we're learning to use uh, to be more energy efficient. Uh, that if we're willing to invest that money, it it can be done, uh, but it has to be done soon and it has to be done decisively. And it's going to have to be done for a long time, decades if not centuries, because these changes are baked in, uh, even if. Even if we just hit 1.5 degrees and stay there above the pre-industrial level, sea levels are going to rise at least two feet above where they are now, and perhaps more. If we don't do anything, the sea levels could rise to 20 feet or more above where they are now. And if that were the case, then you got destruction of coastal cities across the world, which would be just disastrous for millions, probably billions of people and the global economy. Right. You got water wars out west anywhere, whether it's dry, they run out of water, people run out of food. It's disastrous for humanity. You've got islands that are going to disappear. You've got coastal areas that are going to be destroyed. Right. Uh, water sources that are evaporating everywhere. And we're seeing this ourselves daily. Uh, according to, uh, a Washington Post analysis of, uh, the federal disaster declarations this summer, uh, nearly one third of Americans experienced uh, an extreme, an extreme weather disaster this summer, right? Uh, one third. So, you know, that's, that's over a hundred, hundred million people, um, experienced some type of federal, uh, some type of disaster, weather disaster this, this year, whether that's a wildfire, hurricane, storm, flood, drought, right? That, Almost a third of us have experienced it just this year, uh, according to uh, according to another uh, European uh, scientific organization. Two thirds, two thirds of uh, the global population is already experiencing more intense uh, droughts. Two thirds of the global population, so we're we're in a lot of trouble, and it's looking like we're not gonna we're just gonna blast right by that one point five degree Celsius. Uh, cap that the IPCC put on us, right? That we're going to go go right by it. Maybe not. Maybe if we take bold action, right? But here's the concern. It's not where we're, you know, right? the U.S. has to lead. It's too big a player. If a lot of people just aren't going to put as much into the game, a lot of other countries won't if the U.S. isn't doesn't do their part because the U.S. is just too big, Right? We have too many resources. If we throw our stuff in, other people will too. They'll commit more if we show that we're serious, right? And I think Biden is, and I think the Democrats are, but they can't get anything passed right now in Congress, 
right? We got Manchin and Cinema stalling them up in the Senate, saying they're not gonna, they're not okay, you know, with this infrastructure bill. It's got too much spending. We're concerned about, you know, the government. Same song and dance you hear from them. Uh, they're holding it up. That's what the climate change legislation has happened. Not much happened in the one trillion bill that got passed. The three point five they want to pass. That's where the good stuff has to happen. And not just not just the changes we need to make to decarbonize. Right, Joe said he wants to decarbonize the electric the electricity sector by twenty thirty five. Cut our emissions in half in ten years. These are great things, but we got to get cooking on it. We got to get moving, and we got to lead, and we got to invest the money and the work, and we got to get it done. We got to do it now. And if we do it, other people will join us. But if we don't, they won't. So here's the thing: if if Democrats lose in twenty twenty two, nothing is going to happen. No climate change legislation is going to happen. Nothing's going to get done. We're going to go screaming past that one point five degrees Celsius level, straight on to two and beyond. We're going to keep racing towards oblivion with temperatures and sea levels and droughts and hurricanes just getting worse and worse and out of control, right? And people's lives being destroyed by them, right? What's that going to do? To, uh, across, No one's going to be immune from this. Uh, uh, so basically, if they win in 2022, if if Congress wins and if 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 the Republicans win Congress, if they were to take the Senate, retake the Senate and retake the House in 2022, we would be screwed. We would not get anything passed, and it would not happen. We're going to blow past the limit. It will be disastrous. This may be our one shot to actually get it done. If we can, we have to communicate to people how urgent this is and how serious it is. And how to out of control the Republican Party is across the board with what they've done, uh, with how they've, you know, constantly misled the country into like deeper and deeper conspiratorial nonsense just to try and retain power. And how the powers that be have denied, you know, for decades, you know, especially the fossil fuel industry and their compatriots, you know, the, the effects of what they were doing, right? Uh, so we've got to make sure that the Democrats win in 2022. Everything we, everything we have. And so that climate change is number one priority. Nothing's more important than that, right? Except, except that Democrats win in 2022, right? Which, which also means voting rights. Voting rights are just as important as climate change because if we don't have voting rights, then we, Democrats are not going to win in 2022, for sure, because they're going to, Republicans are going to do everything they can to overturn every Democratic win in every state they can. They'll, they'll try and find some way to overturn the vote of the people, just so they can maintain power. And we're seeing that across the country. So if we want to fight climate change, we've got to protect voting rights so we know we can, we actually have a vote in 2022. We don't have a chance in 2022 if our vote's no good, we can't let them overthrow our government either. That's the other one. Because there's a lot of folks out there, sadly, far too many millions of Americans, unfortunately, I'll say tens of millions, that are okay with our country being overthrown by the Republican Party or those sympathetic to them in their way of governance. 
we know there's just far too many of those people out there uh, with a lot of weapons and a lot of ammunition, and they've been they've been itching for a long time to use them. They didn't buy them for nothing. Uh, we need to be on watch for these folks, and we need to make sure that they never get anywhere near the levers of power. Uh, that they never get anywhere near overthrowing our government, and that we all individually and collectively take responsibility to make sure that we do not let our fellow citizens make that mistake and do not succeed in that endeavor if they do. Uh, that is something we must do, and we must make sure Democrats win in 2022. So that climate change can be passed, climate change legislation can be passed, and continue to be passed, because we're going to have to keep paying for this. Like I said, this is sea levels are going to rise, CO two and temperatures are going to keep going up for the time being, right? And ocean acidification, even if we do get to net zero, is still going to continue. These things are already baked in, uh, and that, that CO two that's in, that we've been pumping in the atmosphere going to be in the atmosphere for 300 to a thousand years that's how long it's up there it's not coming down anytime soon uh there are new technologies like they've talked about fusion fusion reactors are amazingly ineffective and inefficient uh but they've had some recent breakthroughs uh that just came out in the past month uh about uh the different types of um fusion reactors they're using and changes they're making to make them more uh, efficient and be able to manage manage the heat. Uh, these fusion reactors can can contain uh, you know heat many times that of the core of the sun. Uh, and uh, so there's a lot of possibility in fusion, nuclear fusion. Again, that's a safety issue and nuclear fusion is very difficult to contain and control and it's a long way off from being mastered and being something that could be reliably used but when it is mastered and that who knows when that could be that could be five ten that could be 50 or 100 years from now we don't know uh there's still too much uncertainty involved in the research uh that that could potentially provide us with all the energy we need globally done if we can master that technology That'll take care of everything. Problem is, is that we don't know how much, how long we are away from that, or how to get to it, or how much it could cost us to try and get there. So because of that and all the other unproven technologies and ideas that have been put out over the years that haven't been worn out, the thing to do is invest our money in the things that do, right? And in making, you know, companies emit fewer uh you know, fewer CO2 emissions and other green greenhouse gas emissions. One way to do that is by price, carbon pricing, right? Charging companies, basically taxing them or putting a price on what they do on their activity, uh, based on how they, how their activities impact the environment, right? And there's different ways of carbon pricing. They look at different factors depending on who's doing it. They're, but they're looking at things like, uh, like a government, say, or like an organization is looking at what are the costs of carbon. They're looking at, you know, what are the costs from your CO2 output? What is their contribution to like things like increased healthcare costs, right? Uh, the other harmful effects of pollution, right? To like whatever the waterways or to, you know, uh, you know, uh, agriculture or to, uh, farmland. 
um, all these different things or prop, private property damages private property but also uh, the cost of what is it going to take to not just fix these things right but mitigate right climate change to prevent it from happening further so that's that's something the government can do and they can do it they can do it through laws we need to obviously a democratic Congress and Senate make that happen and president uh, and uh, you know there's there's other things we can do but we need we need Democrats power to make any of that happen or it's just not going to happen All right so we got to protect our voting rights so we got to make sure voting rights get through I've talked about reconciliation before if we can get 51 votes, 50 plus Kamala, all right? She can overrule the Senate parliamentarian in the Senate. The Senate parliamentarian is going to say, you can't use reconciliation for a voting rights bill. You can't use reconciliation to pass, you know, a right to abortion bill, right? Um, that sort of thing. That Kamala can be the tie-breaking vote. If you have 50 votes that say we want, we want the, you know, this voting rights legislation passed, with Kamala's vote, you can get it, but you got to have those 50. So we got to find a way to either lean on Manchin and Cinema or pull a couple Republicans. But if we can get 50, right, we can pass anything, but we need 50 plus Kamala to give us the 51. We can pass anything, and we don't even have to deal with the filibuster, right? Technically, you're not supposed to use reconciliation for anything that's not directly budget related, but we know that's just a rule, it's not a law. All Kamala has to do, she has constitutional authority to override the advise, the advisory role of the Senate parliamentarian and say, thank you for your advice. I'm overruling it. Right. We're going to, we're going to use it. Um, so it should be really about how do we get the 50? How do we get the 50 senators to go along with whatever we're going to pass? Voting rights legislation, infrastructure, right? Passing a right to abortion bill whatever it is you want to pass right police reform right health care reform you know changes to obamacare uh climate change's got to take take the 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 front it's got to be at the forefront climate change protecting our voting rights so that we can fight climate change right and ensuring they don't overthrow our government so we can keep our government right so that we can have a fair election so the Democrats can win in 2022 and continue to pass climate change legislation that we're going, we're going to have to fund this year after year after year for decades and perhaps centuries because these effects are going to be felt for decades and centuries. They're not going away. Like I said, it's not just dealing with our emissions, right? From the fossil fuel industry and being more energy efficient, right? And recycling and all that kind of stuff. But it's also about our land usage, how we use our land better. Right, using more trees, planting more trees, but not, you know, not using as much agriculture, not not using as many, uh, not as much livestock, right, or how we use them, yeah, that and, and not using them in such a large area, right, that there's things we can do, uh, and and how uh, different uh, agricultural practices uh, can emit you know, more CO2 and more methane from their practices. There's things we can do to change that, right? Um, so there's a lot we can do, but we just have to be willing to spend the money to do it and get them done. Uh, and if we're willing to do that, we can make the changes to protect ourselves, protect our, our families 
and protect humanity because potentially we're looking at seeing like animals, food sources dissipating. The global population is going up. We're already at 8 billion. Uh, we've got to make sure that, you know, we, we do everything we can uh, to make sure that it doesn't go above 1.5 because then it just gets murkier and murkier. And there's a lot they don't know. Uh, Michael E. Mann from the IPCC has even said, you know, that they feel pretty confident globally about what they can predict, you know, uh, and what they're looking at right now for the most part on a global level. But when you get down to when you're looking at an area or a region of about 600 horizontal miles, it's less certain because there's too many different factors involved at play that are uncertain. The probabilities of them are unclear for you to be able to predict what they're interacting or feedback effects might be. So they don't know, like, when you talk about like a 600 square horizontal, 600 miles, you're talking about like an area of like Ohio, Pennsylvania, and Indiana, something like that. So you're looking at an area like that, the climate, what the climate effects are going to be from climate change are less certain, they're less clear, but they can have a, a much, a pretty accurate idea of what they're going to happen, like on a national or continental level or global level. But when you get down to that regional level, it's, there's less certainty with exactly how, how things are going to be impacted. But take your pick and look around. I mean, every day in the news, you see a story about another flood, you know, uh, you know, we've had these major flood events, major storm events, um, that keep happening on wildfires, worsening and worsening and more and more frequent. So that's, I mean, the evidence is clearly in, but we have to take action now. We have to be willing to fund it. And we have to be willing to let the government take the lead because private industry doesn't do that. There's no money in it, right? They're not going to invest in it until they see there's a payoff for investing in it. That's why That's why often the, a lot of the R&D, when you're talking about whether it's like the internet, um, you know, or a lot of like the, the technology that we're seeing uh, with... Uh, um, like uh, renewables was funded by government research and government grants, right? That that it's often it often take it's a public investment, right, for the future of the people, and the government makes that. And then once that technology is borne out, and private industry sees, oh wow, yeah, there is something in there, then they'll jump in, but they won't do it at first. That's why government must lead, right? But the ethos of the Republican Party is that you know. The, you can't have a government that's small enough. They want a government that is so ineffective that it can't do anything so that the robber barons, the billionaires and the corrupt and everyone else, the ruthless can run free and do whatever the hell they want. That's basically what they want. And that might've sound hyperbolic a few years ago, but you can see from their behavior in the recent years, how true it actually is that their behavior demonstrates everything. I say to you that, you know, it's true. So this is, the most urgent issue that faces humanity. If it gets out of control, I mean, we're talking no less than human extinction is a possibility. Or such a destruction of human civilization as to set us back in time. It could wipe us out so that all the gains that we've made in the last 500 years are completely erased, buried, buried within the sands and rubble of our civilizations. It could happen, and we could do it to ourselves. We only met, it's only been since the late 1800s since we really started jacking up the CO2. In that time, look what we've done. And most of that's been in the last 50 years, right? We let it get out of control. You, me, we all did. We let it go too far, right? 
And some of us believed the lies of the fossil fuel industries, or we thought that, you know, somebody was going to come up with a new technology and at the last minute, you know, and, and, and we'll fix it. But that didn't happen. We have to control our behavior. You know, we have to do things in a different way and be willing to change that way and, and pay for it a little bit. And a lot of it's just about being smarter, right? About how we use our energy, right? And how it's controlled and, and, and what sources it comes from and being able to use those sources, right? Um, and we know how to do it, but we have to be willing to spend the money to scale it up, right? And like I said, we're looking at nine trillion a year right now. That's going to go up, right? They're saying one point one percent of GDP. It could be higher than that, but those a lot of those same estimates that are saying we need to spend about one percent of GDP to do what we need to do to fight climate change. Uh, they're saying if we don't do anything, the costs are five percent of GDP for doing nothing. So five times cost more costly if we don't do anything. Five times. And potentially up to 20 times, 20% of GDP, all right? Not 1%, 20% as, as the max, right? Five is their conservative estimate. 20 is their max, right? Our, our estimates for what it takes, most of them, for what it's going to take are 1%. And let's say it's 1.5, or let's even say it's 2. That's still way below 5%, right? And that's spread out among the whole world. It's not just the United States doing that, right? And here's the thing: like as technologies are developed and things are scaled up, they're going to be they're going to be more they're going to become cheaper. They're going to become like what's going on? They're going to become like uh, yeah. As technology becomes cheaper, the more you develop it, the uh, it becomes more efficient, more effective. Uh, once you uh, scale it up, it's uh, it's easier. Right to ramp up and to scale up and and to produce things at cost at uh, at a cheaper price, right? So there's a lot to be said for the technology that we already have that we're already developing. It's going to get even cheaper, right? So maybe it won't cost as much as we think it will, right? But it's going to cost us a lot. We have to be willing to invest in it. We've got to get on it now, and this has to be our number one priority. So I hope that you take this seriously, and when you talk to your friends about it. Um, that you tell them that, you know, if they have questions about climate change, go to NOAA, N-O-A-A, uh, government organization, meteorological organization of the U.S. government, or NASA. They got all kinds of information about this stuff. Or you can go to the IPCC, right? There's, like I said, there's different studies that were done by Harvard and Portland State University, uh, and, and many others that are out there, um, for, for information about, about climate change, reliable information. Uh, there's a lot of climate misinformation out there and, um, you know, it's important that, that we direct our friends to like reliable sources so they can get the better, better information than, than what a lot of people have been spewing about there about different ideas about potential causes like volcanoes or, uh, you know, solar activity or our position of the sun, because those, those, those factors have already been ruled out. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Um, it's it's really a major issue. I hope I hope everybody takes it seriously. Um, it's not something we can fight individually. We do need the government to take action on this, and we need to put our political will and our political muscle all the way, maximum effort into fighting climate change, protecting our voting rights, protecting our country from fascism. Right? We won't be able to fight climate change and overcome 
global warming if our country falls to fascism or if we're not able to to vote. We won't be able. We won't. And if we don't win in 2022, climate legislation, climate change legislation will not get passed. Or if it was, it'll get rolled back. And we'll miss the target by, by a mile. And it'll be a, a devastation for the planet. Um, we may revisit this again in the next episode, in another episode. Uh, I look forward to talking to you soon. We've got another episode planned. It's called United States, the United States of Criticism. That's right. Um, we're going to give some credit to the United States. Uh, we always like to do both, right? Uh, uh, praise and criticism. Uh, so we're going to start it off with, you know, praising the United States for all the things that you've probably already heard. We are, we're going to go ahead and acknowledge them, all the great things uh, that we think are great about America. Uh, but then we're going to go into a harsh criticism of America and American culture. And probably all of you are going to be angry at some point. Because we don't plan on sparing anyone. We're going to let you all have it, including myself. I criticize myself as well, which I always like to do. Uh, but that'll be our next episode. Um, I hope you all take good care of yourselves. Look out for each other. And we'll talk soon. Take care. Bye. Thank you.